Hallelujah. Whew. I want to say this before I forget it because I didn't get a chance to write it on my phone. Service is one of the greatest attitudes of thankfulness. So without thankfulness, I question, you probably won't serve. But with thankfulness, I guarantee you, you'll serve. I got to write that in my notes just because it sounded really good. If you see me typing up here during worship, it's because I'm receiving things. And, and uh, I want to, so service, I'm going to write this real quickly. Service versus thankfulness. <laughs> I say that, ooh, it's spell check to service BS thankfulness. Whoopsie. Good thing nobody knows what that stands for. Oh, I did it again. B-S. There we go. <laughs> What's that? Put my glasses on. No, I have big print so I can read. The spell check did it. I don't need glasses for the spell check. but Stacy mentioned mental health being healed. That was a powerful word. I believe it was physically mental health, but I believe even more that some of the mental health was religion, needed healing, and self-ideas and self-ways were holding us back. Look someone to your right. I just want to get you activated here. Look to your right and say, you are amazing looking this morning. Look to your left and this time say, you're amazing looking too, okay? Let's go that route because this is a Thanksgiving. So what Stacy mentioned, I have no doubt in my mind that there's miraculous healings in the mind taking place. I actually feel like the Lord corrected me that have taken place. During worship, they took place. Now we have to walk in the understanding that something actually happened. Because one of the greatest things that cancels out the miraculous is our own understanding. And we start to think, oh, no, no, I feel the same. No, I haven't changed. No, I, you know what? You should change. Because if something was bringing you down, we must change or we'll always be down. Um, one of the greatest enemies to thankfulness is letting our own understanding speak reality. I wrote this down during worship. It just impacted me so much that here we are celebrating Thanksgiving, and we have so much to be thankful for. But one of the greatest enemies to thankfulness is letting our own understanding speak reality. So, what am I saying? Let's say you, someone gives you a dollar. Yeah, a loony for our Canadian people. A, a dollar for our American people. We don't call them dollars anymore, we call them loonies. Loonies and toonies. It just sounds goofy. Doesn't it? I mean, I love the loon. It's a beautiful bird. I do my little loon sound when we're out fishing, and they call back, and we call them, and Looney and Toonie. Okay. So let's say someone gives you a dollar. You're excited because you have nothing. You're excited. Or you can say, but I only got a dollar, but I owe a hundred. Two different ways of looking at thankfulness. You're not thankful for the little you receive, then you're not worthy for a greater amount. We need to be thankful for everything God gives to us. And no matter how small it might seem, because it might actually be really, really big. 
but we sometimes will let our own mindset stop the bigness of what just happened. That was a thought I had during worship. Sounds like a good message one day. Thankfulness is learning from the wrongs of the past and expecting greater things for today. So, so many people do not live a life of thankfulness because they're always remembering the wrongs of the past. And when you let the wrongs of the past become your lifestyle, I guarantee you, you won't have the thankfulness of Jesus Christ's fullness in our lives. We saying, no longer a slave to fear. Slavery is re- really received from unthankfulness. As we were singing that, I'm thinking, Lord, and I felt like the Lord was laying on my heart that slavery is not what's happening around you or to you. Slavery is not being thankful. The Israelites left Egypt with miraculous signs and wonders 24-7 all day, but yet they what was it? They're grumbling and complaining and they're remembering of what they had in slavery. They started to want to go back to slavery. So in saying that, no longer a slave to fear, how do you destroy slavery in fear? Be thankful. Slavery is received from unthankfulness. You are only a slave from not living in the thankfulness of God. If we truly grab the thankfulness of Jesus Christ, even the thankfulness of his word, as Chris, as Chris mentioned this morning, that Tuesday night, this Tuesday night coming, you need to be there. No matter how long you've been a believer or a Christian or if you're a new Christian, this is foundational study of his word and of, of really what we believe. It's so important. How many of you need a refresher once in a while? And I love it because... Eric Johnson, who I know personally and have ministered with, is such an incredible man that carries what his dad has imparted into him from father to son. But the whole leadership of Bethel that put this curriculum together has taken years and years of understanding and put it together. And I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you need to come take this course. It's to, every Tuesday night for the next, what, how many weeks is it? Every other Tuesday night for the next, it's like... It's going, going a while, yeah, and, uh, and it's such a good course, a foundations course from Bethel. It's absolutely awesome. You're only a slave from not living in thankfulness. No matter what's going on around you, be thankful for what you do have, what God has blessed you with. Then I wrote down, get out and vote. <laughs> How many of you know we have an election coming up? Get out and vote, and vote wisely. Pray about who we need in power, because how many of you believe it'd probably be good to have a shift? (laughs) I'm not saying that you can't vote for the current prime minister. I'm just saying, hear the voice of the Lord and vote. (laughs) I'm not, honestly, I'm very political but I'm very political in my own belief structure and understanding. But that doesn't mean I'm going to push my politics on you. Unless you want me to, I could. But No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I push my politics, though, on this. Life is life. I believe that's conception. That's what my Bible says. 
I believe marriage is, is between a male and a woman. That's what my Bible says. At the same time, I love sinners, but I hate the sin. And it doesn't, you don't lose a relationship with Jesus because of an issue you have in your life. The issue in your life is going to be overcome by the goodness of God and forgiveness of sin. Amen? So I stand very much on the word. Uh, a lot of people say, Brent, you know, you should, I've heard it a few times, Brent, you should get on, you know, social media and be more political. And that's just not my call. It is for some, but it's not mine. My politics are his kingdom invading earth. My politics and theology is Jesus Christ. He's the perfect theology. And anyone who looks like him, I will vote for prime minister of this beautiful nation. And then I'm going to talk about missions. So we have a missions trip coming up in, uh, in November uh, to our main, one of our main, it's actually our main church in Mexico City. It oversees uh, just over 70 churches that, that we've been a part of working and planting. Um, and it's just for the Windward people or wind, connected to Windward Ministries. I'm not doing it as a big trip. So this is your last day to sign up. If you haven't signed up, there's uh, six people that are going, seven including me, um, on the 20th of November to the 25th. It's a five-day trip. So if you want to go, talk to Samantha, Kevin, or myself after the service. This is the last day to, to sign up for it. Okay? We're going to have fun. And if people want to make any... huh? And payment, that's right, yeah. So we need to, uh, if people want to give towards people that are going um, to, uh, on the trip, you can give to, towards the trip. And then we, we divide that out in the trip, and you can get receipted for that. Um, and uh, you just have to put a little note saying to the Mexico missions. Also, um, our daughter, Samantha, our youngest daughter, uh, sorry, Jessica, wow. I've only known her for 25 years, and my other one for 21, but um, anyways, uh, our youngest daughter, I was so happy with Sam and the band today, and Angel, and Misha, that's a three-part band right there, and that's, that was really good, so it's awesome, um, but Jessica is also in Thailand on a missions trip, it was such a quick trip with her, her Bible school at Balo, if you want to donate into that too, you can donate uh, into the missions as well too, okay, just to let you know, we want to bless people uh, and be a part of spreading the gospel and the good news throughout the world. Amen? Amen. How many people are alive today? Just put your hand up. Good. Well, sometimes Thanksgiving's a hard message to preach because people are usually a little tired, a little groggy. Either you've had your turkey or you've been preparing one or whatever it is. I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of a drizzly day this morning. Um, I want to talk about Thanksgiving. There was a young woman who, bought her who brought her fiancé home to meet her parents for Thanksgiving dinner. After dinner, her mother told her father to find out about this young man. I want to know about him. I mean, this is a fiancé. We don't really know much about him. So the father invited the fiancé to, to, to his study, to his office, for a little talk. So what are your plans, the father said to the fiancé. I'm a biblical scholar, he replied. A biblical scholar, hmm, the father said. Admirable. But what will you do to provide a nice house for my daughter to live in? I will study, the young man replied, and God will provide for us. The father says, and how will you buy her a beautiful engagement ring such as the one she deserves? I will concentrate on my studies, says the young man. God will provide for us. 
And what about children? If you, when you have children or if you have children, how, how are you going to support the children? Don't worry, sir. God will provide. So the conversation proceeded like this for quite some time. And each time the father questioned the young idealist, insisted that God would provide. Later, the mother asked, well, honey, how did it go? And the father answered, he has no job, he has no plans, and he thinks I'm God. <laughs> Ephesians 5.19. This tells Christians to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody. Let's read Ephesians 5.19. Sorry, getting into 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God. The Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Sing spiritual songs, hymns, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks always Give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's an area that has been so left out in so many Christian relationships. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Rejoice. That means be joyful. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. That means continually be in prayer. So the verse is saying, be joyful always. Not just when something good happens. It actually is saying, be joyful always. Continually be in prayer. Verse 18, in everything give thanks. In other words, give thanks in all circumstances. In all things that are happening, how do we find thanksgiving? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, what's, what's my will? What's the will of God in my life? Well, let me tell you very simply. Rejoice, be joyful always, pray without ceasing, continually be in prayer, and in everything give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ Jesus in you. Because if you hear the call of God before you have an attitude of thanksgiving, that call can lead you into a prideful attitude. Because pride is the one, one of the main keys that kills a thankful heart. Paul's main subject here in this scripture verse is praise and thanksgiving. But look at the other important words in these verses. Always, continually, and in all circumstances. It sounds like Paul's speaking about a church service, especially in Ephesians, in the church of Ephesus, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, sing and make music in your heart. But actually, he's not speaking about a church service. Paul's actually talking about a continual attitude of what a Christian life looks like. Thanksgiving is an attitude of the heart. It's not actually what you receive. Thanksgiving should never be connected to what you receive or you'll have to continually receive to be thankful. 
The attitude of thanksgiving that we're talking about comes before receiving. Because if you live in an attitude of true thanksgiving before you receive, the receiving will have a whole different perspective. You will actually thank the Lord for the blessing instead of looking for a thankful heart by receiving something. Because it's so easy for us in this society to go out and buy something and be happy. If I get something or someone gives me something, they give me what I want, it's going to make me happy. What it does is it actually begins to foster your pride if you don't have a thankful heart. Because then people will start to have an expectation on you without first the expectation be delivered in themselves. And then I'm going to look at you, or others will look at you, and they will expect you to think a certain way, treat me with honor, treat me this way, do this for me, do this way, do it the way I want, because if you don't do it my way, then you really don't have a way. But that's not a thankful heart. A thankful heart is actually when, when, when we as people get such a great understanding of a thankful, of who God is in us, that we are so thankful of who he is in us that we actually walk with thankfulness, which is graciousness. And when we walk with that level of thankfulness, when something then happens that's a blessing, it becomes a true blessing from a thankful heart. And the thankfulness gets blessed instead of the blessing creating thankfulness. There was a daughter who, who wrote home from college. She says, dear mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm really has been broken. I broke it and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory. I jumped because we had a fire. We were lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days. Billy, the young service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I moved in with him. He has been so nice to me. I must admit that I am pregnant. Billy and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine and will write more when I get the chance. Love your daughter, Susie. P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and flunk chemistry. I just wanted you to receive this news in its proper perspective. <laughs> if we get a wrong perspective, our thankfulness tends to change when it's not truly thankful before the perspective. When we have thankfulness already, everything we see becomes a different perspective than if you don't have thankfulness, everything we see has a different perspective. If you don't have thankfulness, a small issue or a small problem in someone's life can become a major issue. And we will go after that issue and go after that problem. But the reality is with a heart of thankfulness, you can celebrate instead of the 10% wrong, you can celebrate the 90% right with somebody around you. Because I sure love it when people camp out in the relationship with me and they celebrate things that I am actually doing okay instead of always focusing on the boo-boo here and there. Believe me. Social media loves the boo-boos. 
I've said things from the pulpit that someone said, you know, you said that. I go back and I listen. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I don't even believe that. <gasps> oh, it happens. I, I pray. I, 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 don't, I don't look and focus on the things I, I, I'm not in agreement with or that I don't like about maybe my wife or my kids. I actually focus on what I do love about them and what they're doing. And I have joy because the thankfulness has come from God first, and it hasn't come by their attitude towards me. To be thankful in all circumstances, we need a proper perspective of our circumstances and of God. It's so easy when you're tired, you're weary, and you're heavy laden. It's so easy to get bummed out. But that's where God is strong. That's where he's always strong. But when you're weak, he is strong. You're in a downtime. His joy doesn't change. His thankfulness for you doesn't change. When we have a proper perspective, then we will be able to give thanks to the Lord always. But we need the proper perspective. Here are four attitudes that keep us from being thankful. There are many more, but these are just four. Pride. Pride is the attitude that says, nobody ever gave me anything. I've done it all on my own. I can do it on my own. I do it on my own. I don't need anybody to help me. Matter of fact, I do it the only way that's right, and you do it the only way that's wrong. That's all pride speaking. Pride and narcissism goes so directly together. With this kind of attitude, we feel that we have no one to thank but ourselves. Matter of fact, we might even think, it's your blessing that I'm here. No, it's not. It's actually my blessing that you're here. Yeah, but you're the pastor, you're a pastor, you're, you're, you're a leader in the church, and, and that's your job. No, 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 no. I thank God every day for you. I mean, I'm still going to be an individual, the same person, whether you were here or you weren't here. But I thank God that you're here. I love it that you're here. You're called to be here with a destiny and a purpose. We're just called to help guide and direct or help pour into, but you're going to do things so much higher and greater than what I might be called into or do. That's our destiny. That's our purpose that we have as leaders is to empower people, welcome home to a family culture. A critical spirit is a second attitude that keeps us from being thankful. A critical spirit will always need to critique things and critique other people. It will always critique others and always have an excuse for your own actions. It's critical spirit. They will always feel their way is the best, their way is always right, and the only way to do things. Social media is full of critical spirits sometimes. <laughs> I look at other ministers and what they post, and I'm like, you actually have the critical spirit you're accusing others of. You actually have the narcissist spirit that you're actually accusing others of. You actually have the issues that you're accusing others of. It's like, you can't say that without first having something of the root in your own life, because really, we, thankfulness should overcover and overcome other people's problems and issues. 
It doesn't mean it overcomes their sin, absolutely not. I don't want to be the person that just always works on exposing everyone else's problems. I'm a part of a huge thing right now that many of you have heard about. I'm a part of it. But we're bringing truth to a situation, but we're doing it as quietly and as closed doors as we can. The third attitude that keeps us from being thankful is a constant complaining spirit. Does anybody know a complainer? Don't put your hand up. You know those ones that just, like, you literally like, wow, it's an amazing day. Yeah, but it's raining. <laughs> wow. You know, man, you, you, that's, a, that's a great looking car. Yeah, but it's old. <laughs> like, wow, you look good. I didn't have enough time in the mirror today. You know, it's like, whoa. And how many of you just love hanging around them? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Exactly. The sad part is, probably some of us carry it. Matter of fact, chances are many of us carry it. Because I believe a message from this pulpit is not to tickle your ears, but hopefully burn them. Put your head down onto a rock. And have an all hammer into your ear. Oh no, now he's promoting earrings. No, I'm promoting scripture and be a bondservant to Jesus Christ. That's our call. A lady known as an incurable grumbler constantly complained about everything. At last her preacher thought he had finally found something that she would be happy with. For her farm crop, she was a potato farmer, and her, her crop, her potatoes this year were like the finest all around the community. So when he met her on the Sunday, he said with a beaming smile, you must, be a you must be very happy, Mary. Everyone is saying how healthy your potatoes look this year. And the lady responded, true, they are pretty good, but what am I going to do when I need to feed the bad ones to my pigs? because I don't have any bad ones this year. That's an ungrateful heart. Can you imagine how happy the pigs would be to get good potatoes? <laughs> and sometimes we can let our own routines literally drag us into an ungrateful heart, a non-thankfulness in our hearts. And we have to make sure that whatever drags us down does not hold us down. I'm not saying you can't get dragged down, but I will say a Christian lifestyle is not living down, it's living up. And through the blood of Jesus Christ on that cross and his resurrected power, by the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, I will guarantee you, you can have a down day, but it better not be a down month. Because Jesus Christ has given us the strength to overcome it all. Amen? A fourth attitude that keeps us from being thankful is carelessness. Someone once said that if the stars only came out once a year, we would stay out all night to watch the stars. But the stars are out every night. And so how many of you have spent all night watching them? We get comfortable, we get 
careless. We get used, used to certain things. We, we get, it, it becomes a norm. It, 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 no longer do we celebrate when we go outside and we look at the stars, you know. I, I, I love the stars. I think they're beautiful. I love his creation. Just the other day, I was driving, and Sharon and I, last weekend, were up in Vernon ministering, and, and just driving through the mountains, watching the, all the colors changing. It's beautiful. You know how many people in this world never see that? Like, you go live in the Sahara Desert, and you don't see what we see. I'm trying to believe when I go into the prairies and minister in our churches up in Alberta and Saskatchewan, I try to convince myself there's a beauty there. It's a very flat beauty, but you can see, I mean, talk about no pollution on the prairies. You can see miles and miles, and I love watching these thunderstorms. You have to see the whole storm. Here, it's just a storm all the time. It's like, whoa, rain. But there is a beauty up there for about six weeks out of the year, and then it's like frozen whatever. <laughs> Kevin's going up in a couple weeks, end of October. Wait till you go up in January and it's minus 40. Let's go ice fishing. Uh... Actually, their ice fishing is really cool. Justin and I went. It was awesome. Because we drove out in a heated 4x4. And in the, there was a shack out there in the lake and with a heater, a little furnace going in there. I mean, I'm like, we had our jackets off. We even had a video camera down under the ice looking at all our lures, watching the fish come. Oh, bite, bite. <laughs> it's unbelievable. That was good ice fishing. That was fun. The Israelites grumbled because they had no food, so God miraculously provides manna. Every day, he covered the ground with their food. But they started to grumble because it was the same thing every day. And sometimes we in our own Christian life or we in our, our own things that are going on in our lives, we get accustomed to the same thing. And then we start coming to church, heaven forbid this would ever happen here, but we come to church and, and it's the same thing. And pretty soon, it's just got to be better somewhere else. And so we go check out somewhere else and it's exciting because it's something new. But pretty soon, it might become the same thing. You see, because the church isn't what's bringing the new, you're bringing the new to the church. When we come into this building expecting me to bring something to you to make you what you're called to be, I can't do that. I can only bring the Word of God. It's your choice to be what you're called to be. It's your choice to come in here thankful. When you drove into this park, I bet you, and in the morning when your alarm went off today, you literally went, oh, it's my alarm. Wow, I'm thankful to get up today. This is awesome, I get to go to church. I can see some people weren't quite as thankful when their alarm went off today. The Israelites lost sight of the miracle around them because it just became normal. They didn't look for the joy of the Lord in them. They looked for the things around them to give them joy. It's called slavery again. You can literally be a slave in a third world nation and have the joy of the Lord in you. You can be poor and in poverty. I've watched it many times. But yet, I'm embarrassed to say, they come to the service with more joy than some of us do. And we got a car. We actually have shoes. 
Matter of fact, we wouldn't even have a couple cars. We wouldn't even have a couple pairs of shoes. If you have a car and you have a home or an apartment that you're renting and you have a bank account, doesn't matter how much you have in it, you're in the top 2.5% wealth in the world. Can you imagine that? And so when I travel into these international countries, some of them very poor financially, but yet you hear them singing and celebrating a block or two away from the church. They don't have a vehicle. Most of them don't even have a bicycle. But they're celebrating. They come out of these very poor huts and buildings with incredibly clean clothes. I don't know how they do it. But they do. They spend their time in preparing themselves because they're joyful for the clothes that they actually can wash. Well, many times, you, after a nice big dinner, we go into the kitchen. My wife's going to say, not me, but, but her, but not me. We go in and we see a big sink full of dishes. We can grumble and complain that there's a bunch of dirty dishes to wash, and we can thank the Lord that we have to wash the dishes because that meant we just ate something. Two different ways of thankfulness. Grumbling and complaining, which I guarantee will take you out of the favor of the Lord. And you will not walk into the promises with a grumbling and complaining attitude. Or we look at the dishes and say, thank you, God, that I had food to feed my family and that I have dishes to wash. Or you could go over to Micronesia where we ministered out in the islands and they had no dishes. It was like the palm leaves. There's about 400 people living on this atoll. It wasn't even an island. They called an atoll. An island is higher than 12 feet above sea level. So uh, an island is kind of where these lights are. If the land is that tall, it can be an island. But if the land's not that tall, it's called an atoll. This was an atoll, just basically white sand on a coral reef with palm trees. And when hurricanes would come, they built there in the South Pacific, the hurricanes would build, the surge would be 10, 12 feet, but your atoll is only six feet of land. So they started building out of the coral. They break the coral up and all the shells, and they built this huge area, well, maybe about the size of this sanctuary, maybe a little bigger than the sanctuary, and they raised it up about four feet. So that put their five or six foot, on the highest point of the islands, that put their five or six foot little atoll up to another four or five feet of shells. So when the surge came, and then when a high surge came, they literally tied their boats and canoes to the biggest palm trees, put their kids and family in the palm trees, and all hung on. And the water just swept over the atoll. But you know what? I captained in this big medical dental ship, 340-ton vessel, squeezing it between the coral entrance, like literally one to two feet on each side. And if you're a captain for boats, you know that in a, in a 120-foot-long, 340-ton vessel, that is not enough room to maneuver because you steer with the back of the ship. And so we're praying. We actually had to wait outside for about six, seven hours to get the perfect conditions, the high sun, the noon sun, so we could actually see the reef. And we're going in, and there's huge coral heads just under the surface. And we're maneuvering. I maneuver the ship in and out. And then I remember drop, I said, okay, to the crew, I said, drop the anchor. And our anchor was, I think, about 680 pounds. It might have been close to 1,000 pounds. And uh, it goes down with chain about this big, gum, 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 So I left the bridge, and I went down on the bow, and we're looking. And it dropped into 112 feet of water, and we could see the anchor sitting down there. It was gorgeous, I'll be honest with you. 
we, we launch one of our little 24-foot boats, and we start coming in to shore. And here's this whole village has come out to thank us. And they're singing in their own native language, welcome to our island. I wanted to correct them and say it's an atoll, but I didn't. (laughs) Welcome to our island. We, we respect and welcome you in. And they have these handmade lays, and, and, and they brought us right away. They had a big dinner prepared just for our crew and us and our family. And, and we sit down, and there's no forks, no knives. There's, there's no, no glasses. There's a coconut, half a coconut shell and a palm leaf of food. And they killed some of their only chickens for us. That's an attitude of thankfulness. Their cistern, their water cistern, they have no wells because it would be all sucking up brackish or salt water. So they, they trap water in these cisterns, and, and the cisterns had all rusted and had holes in them. So um, I had 80,000 gallons of water on the ship, plus I made uh, 1,200 uh, gallons a day with our, our, our uh, reverse osmosis water maker. And so we piped, a, we put a big hose up. We first welded up their cisterns. And then we piped water from the ship into their sisters. They had almost eaten all of the coconuts because that was the only thing keeping them alive. They eat raw fish to get liquid, and they drink all the coconut milk. They were so thankful when people are in need and someone comes with help. Can you imagine we're 400 400 miles north of the equator. In the middle of the ocean is this little atoll with 400 people living on it. And in comes this big white ship called the Sea Haven, bringing it in, and off come the people. And the people are all celebrating. They're thankful. They're just thankful. It taught me new levels of thankfulness. I was thankful for getting it in without sinking the ship. They're thankful that we've even come to help them. And Sharon worked in the dental part of the ship, and we would bring them into the ship. We had an eye clinic. We had a surgery center. We had a medical center um, in the ship. We fed them. I tell you, we came, I thought I came with a thankful heart, but I actually saw a depth of thankfulness that I don't see normally here in Canada. And over and over and over again, the nations I've gone into, you, you don't, you, it's hard to grasp and understand how much honor they have for you because they're so thankful that you've come, that someone has come from another country to help them and be a part. These Israelites lost the sight of the miracle around them, out in the desert. Miracles every day, all day long. And so many of us, we cry out for a miracle. But let me tell you what, you could have miracles all around you, but without a heart of gratitude and thankfulness, you'll never see the miracle. I truly believe it's one of the greatest killers to the miraculous, is not not being thankful. Because of pride, carelessness, complaining, and a critical spirit, many people will never truly be thankful for all that God has given them. I watched my my son-in-law, almost break into tears just because of the series that he's going to be teaching on Tuesday night and the ability, the thankfulness to be able to read this. You know how many countries can't read this? 
In a couple weeks, I'm in Russia again. One of the largest, I believe, revivals breaking out right now around the world is in Russia. And I'm going to be ministering again. I'm honored to minister in the largest youth conference in that whole region. Fifteen countries last year came to a youth conference. And then we're going to be, I'm staying the following, to the following weekend, ministering with other churches, and then celebrating a 50-year anniversary of this church that we're ministering with. I just tell you, wow, guys, how thankful are we? Are we, are we thankful for this even? Oh, it's too black. How come it's so dark in here? You know what? If it was all white and super bright, how come it's so bright in here? It hurts my eyes. Why are we here? It's not to critique this. We're here because we come with thankfulness and gratitude. Maybe, maybe some have come here because they've been having a tough season or a tough go. But we come because of family. And with the community family, we get to meet needs of each other. Not wrong expectations, but start meeting needs with each other. I know some of you are like, hey, my turkey's going to burn. No, it's not. It's not even just well, 22. Rudyard Kipling was a great writer and a poet. Unlike many old writers, Kipling was one of the few. Most writers seemed to get more famous when they died back, in, back then, right? But Rudyard Kipling, he was such an amazing writer and a poet. He was alive, and he became very famous, and he had the opportunity to actually enjoy his financial wealth. He made a great deal of money in his writings. So one time a newspaper reporter came up to, to Rudyard Kipling and said to him, Hey, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings amounts to over $100 a word. Mr. Kipling raised his eyebrows and said, Really? I certainly wasn't aware of that. The reporter cynically reached down into his pocket and pulled out a $100 bill and gave it to Kipling and said, Here's a $100 bill, Mr. Kipling. Now, you give me one of your $100 words. So Mr. Kipling looked at the $100. He looked at it for a moment, folded it up, put it in his pocket, and he said, thanks. He's right. That word, thank you, is a $100 word. It could be a million-dollar word to someone. Money can't buy happiness, but a thankful heart opens the doors to all kingdom of God treasures. If we would all adopt an attitude of thanksgiving into our lives, our lives would be changed overnight. We would savor each day more and more and more. We would wake up with an anticipation and excitement and a thankfulness. God, you, I still breathe air. You've kept me alive. I'm still alive. This day is going to be an amazing day. I know this day is going to be an amazing day. My wife and daughter have been cooking a big turkey, and I'm looking forward to a turkey this afternoon. If any nations would be thankful to God, it should be America and Canada. We are a blessed nation. We really are. Oh, we have our ups and downs, absolutely. But we are a blessed nation. And get out and vote so we can have a greater blessed nation. Amen? 
Thanksgiving needs to be expressed. Psalms 100, David talks about, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. We need to express thanks to God that the Lord is good in our hearts, as Psalms 107 says. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. How many of you know that God is a good, good God? Amen? In Luke 7, 11, we read about 10 men who were healed by Jesus and their leprosy. Out of those 10 men, only one came back to give thanks. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now it happened as he, that was Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off, verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. See, they had to listen and then do. They had to hear and then be obedient to it. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. One out of the ten. Verse 16, and fell down at his face and at his feet, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, implying that all the others were probably Jews. And so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Verse 18, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? So he's implying this Samaritan and the others were probably Jews. Verse 19, and he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now we listen to that. He's already been healed physically. The 10 have already been healed physically. They have experienced a miracle, but only one lived in an attitude and a heart transformation of thankfulness. And he came back, all the way back, and he laid down in front. He, he, he worshiped, he praised God, he said, thank you. And he gave his thankfulness back to Jesus for the miracle. And then Jesus makes this statement. And he says, and he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. It was, it was literally the desire of Jesus to give the miracle to the ten. But the miracle was only to have start a process of thankfulness. The miracle happened to ten people, ten lepers healed. One came back for thankfulness and was truly because that your faith has made you well, when you study the original text, it means that your mental state, your mental mind state has been healed. And that's the greatest miracle you could have. Oh, it's wonderful to get a physical miracle. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather have a thorn in my flesh or a limp or whatever it is in my physical body. But I would rather have a miracle in my mind to renew my mind into the joy of the Lord. Because if I'm in a wheelchair preaching the gospel, I'm going to be so thankful 
that I get to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't give two hoots if it's in a wheelchair. I don't give two hoots if I have to walk in with crutches. I don't give two hoots about that. Is it a bummer? Yeah. But you know what? I'm thankful for who God knows I am and created me to be. No matter what's raging around me, I'm going to live with a thankful heart. No matter how much money I have or don't have. Even, even if someone has made terrible financial decisions in the past, it doesn't mean you can't instantly shift to a hard attitude of thankfulness now. Because it will be the answer to repaying back debts. It will be the answer to releasing the favor of God in your life. To, to grab the wisdom to make wise financial decisions. We all have made mistakes. But some people have made such bad mistakes, they want a miracle of God to eliminate all their past debts or all their past problems, all their past issues. And the reality is, is they might not have the heart of thankfulness because God has empowered us to do the work of the ministry. Not just God, us. I have helped so many people that have huge amounts of credit card debt sit down and talk to them. They felt that there's, they're done. There's no answer. Their debt load is too big. Their payments are so high. They're paying such a high interest rate. And over the years, I've been able to sit down with people and say, hold it. You keep asking God for a miracle financially, but you're not wise with what you have. Let's streamline your lifestyle a little bit. Because if you truly want the favor and blessings of God, you need to streamline. You need to cut a little fat off here and there and streamline. Get back into the alignment of the Word of God. Because I will guarantee you in the alignment of His Word is where you will find provision. You will find debts paid off. You will find money. You'll get cars for free. Whatever it is, you'll find it with a heart of thankfulness. Man, look at you all. We have so much to be thankful for. Man, when we're in a country, we can still celebrate the Word of God. We have the sort of have the freedom of speech. <laughs> Seems like everyone does, but maybe not so much the Christians anymore, but but we still do have a freedom of speech. We, we have the ability and freedom to be able to come. No one dogged, dodged missiles and people trying to kill you when we got here. I mean, there was a few nutcases out on Highway 1, but that's besides the point. Maybe you're the churchgoer, you're one of those ones. No, just kidding. Boom! Wasn't that pastor's car? Yeah, I'm just so excited. I got to get here. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. A thankful heart produces joy. Thankfulness is a choice. It's not a response. It's a choice. No matter what you're gone through or going through, we can choose thankfulness and joy in it. Those martyrs, 
that have been sitting before a firing squad and all they needed to do was renounce their faith. But no, no, that was not an option. That was non-negotiable. Most every one of the martyrs that I have read about or heard about, all were rejoicing and thanking God when their physical lives were taken, but their spiritual lives, their minds, Psychologists tell us that sincere gratitude and thanksgiving are the healthiest of all human emotions. Feel that base. The healthiest, even the unbeliever psychologists know that the healthiest of all human emotions is gratitude, is thankfulness. Let's just turn the lows down a little bit. Is anyone here in a huh? I mean, I love the subs personally. I wish that was in my car. If I could put two of those subs in the back seat, that'd be amazing. Hans Seil, who is considered the father of stress studies, said that gratitude produces more positive emotional energy than any other attitude in life. Pretty much every single depressed person that I've ever met is not thankful. They lost their thankfulness. They lost their gratitude. I'm not saying you can't mourn for the lost. You can't mourn for someone dying. You can't mourn. I'm not saying that. But our mourning does not become a lifestyle. We have the answer to the mourning. His name is Jesus Christ. We have the answer to the sorrow. His name is Jesus Christ, the living Lord and Savior. We have an answer to every one of our problems and issues. His name is Jesus Christ. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can choose joy over sorrow. We can choose healing over sickness. We can choose freedom over slavery. lifestyle of fear. We need to choose a lifestyle of freedom. Thanksgiving, when we are thankful, it actually lifts God up and glorifies Him. Because Thanksgiving isn't about you. It's about Him. And it's about everyone around us. I have chosen a thankful heart because my father has done so much he loved me first I choose to love him with a thankful heart I choose to bring a heart of thankfulness into my family not expect my family to bring me thankfulness I saw it in my mother and my father even when I was a backslidden teenage kid, going down the absolute wrong pathways, my mom still was thankful that I was her son. 
even though people would write her letters, did you raise your son in a barnyard floor? But she still believed in me and had a thankful heart that I was her son. I'm like, wow. I don't deserve that, Mom. I didn't deserve it. My attitude was wrong. It was bad. It was a sinful lifestyle. But I watched it in my mom and dad. They saw it in Jesus Christ. And Father God, my mom always kept prophesying, even in my drunken stupor states. I remember going off to high school and going, going off in the morning, and she always wanted to do devotions, and I didn't want to hear it. So I'd eat as fast as I can, and she'd be reading the word while I'm eating, knowing that it was frustrating me be running down the stairs she'd be running down with me praying for me and prophesying you're going to be a mighty man of God you're going to travel nations you're going to tell the enemy to get lost you're going to preach to thousands I want nothing to do with God or the Word. But her thankfulness was never swayed by my actions. I'm prophesying to people right now in this house and on that TV that the actions cannot cause us to lose thankfulness. The actions of people. We have to first look at ourselves and be thankful for who God created me to be, who he created you to be first. And fall in love with what God created you to be, how he created you now. It doesn't matter if you have hair or you don't have hair. It doesn't matter if you're tall or you're short. It doesn't matter if you're skinny or you're big. It doesn't matter. That's not how you fall in love with yourself. How you fall in love is loving God in such a way and realizing he created you, who you are. You're an individual, unique and diverse. Oh, I tried to be somebody. I tried to be people that I admired and I realized years ago that is not my destiny to be them. My destiny is to be me. And whatever that looks like, then I love it. You mean you're prideful? No, love yourself for crying out loud. You don't have to look in the mirror and say, whoa, wow, that's the best looking person I've ever seen. No, 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 no. But you look in the mirror and you say, God, thank you. My insecurity thinks I'm not maybe good looking. But you know what? You created me in your image and you're a beautiful God. So thank you for how you created me. I thank you for all the slaughtered turkeys. I just had a vision. Some of you don't eat turkey, that's fine, whatever. So many people wouldn't eat much 
Oh, boy. Thank you for the turkeys, Lord God. I pray, Father, that this time of celebration will bring families together and not separate them. But I pray first, Father, even before our families come together, and maybe some of you don't even have families around you right now, but I pray first that we will choose a heart of thankfulness first. I just feel right now, just prophesy a little, like speak something that you're thankful for out loud. I thank you for my car. Or I thank you for the clothes I have. I, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my husband. I thank you for my children. Whatever it is, just say something out loud, right? Just a few things out right, right, right now. Just speak it out because the devil hates a thankful heart. I didn't hear much. Keep going. What are you thankful for? Well, I'm not thankful for anything. Well, let me tell you what. You're breathing, and we're thankful you're breathing. Because if you weren't, we'd have to be praying for you right now, raising you from the dead. We are thankful. I want to put a challenge out to you this week of Thanksgiving. Every day, wake up and thank the Lord for 10 things. Some people struggle with getting 10 things. Be thankful. 100 things, 50 things, whatever it is, be thankful. Mid middle of the day, when you're having a lunch break or whatever, thank God for the lunch break. Thank God for your job even. Yeah, but I don't like my job. Thank God that you have a job. When you get ready to go to bed, thank the Lord for some good things that are happened that happened to you today. But thank Him tonight before you go to bed. And watch the changes that happen in all of us. Watch the changes that will happen. Some of you, I'm prophesying, actually need to make phone calls today to some family members that you have a terrible relationship with. And you don't need to tell them how much you hate them and dislike them. That's not the call you need to make. You just need to tell them, thank you for being family. I love you for being family with us. Father, we thank you on this Thanksgiving weekend, Canadian Thanksgiving. I love having Americans in our family now. We get two Thanksgiving dinners, more turkey. The Americans were kind of smart in some ways, though, because they did it always four weeks before Christmas type of a thing, right? So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm thankful because now I go into the Christmas season. I don't know. Our Thanksgiving in Canada has changed many different dates, but now we're focused on this one. But it has to do with the ending of harvest in Canada. Thankful for the harvest. It literally came from thanking God for the blessings. In this country is where it came from. A national holiday was thanking God. Remember, our country was birthed out of the principles and foundations of God. And don't ever let a prime minister change that or take it away. Oh, I mean, sorry, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we just love you, God, because we can have fun. And we're thankful. We're thankful. 
people said. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving.